This week, we are doing something we'd never done before, and we're throwing it back to an old episode that was actually one of our most popular episodes to date. And I want to repost this episode because you may be a new listener and maybe you haven't heard it. And it's important controlling your stress through dosing your exercise appropriately is very important, not only for your overall health, but also for body composition and fitness goals. If you are doing too much, you might be setting yourself back. So this episode will tell you all about that. And even if you've heard this episode, I think it's worth a re-listen today because it's so packed with information. And towards the end, I give you a framework of how to take a peek into your own fitness routine to see if you may be overdosing exercise and how to renegotiate your workouts so that you're actually seeing benefits from your workouts instead of seeing diminishing returns or reverse returns from just doing way too much. I also want to say real quick before we get started, if you're enjoying this podcast, I would so appreciate if you left me a quick little review in your reviews, you can tell me what you learned from the podcast, what you're liking. And you can also use that space to give me your suggested topics that you would want to see or hear about in future episodes. And if you can't leave a review, I would also love if you shared this episode with a friend that you think could benefit from this information today. And lastly, before we get into the episode, I left you seven free classes that are in the show notes of the description. We are refreshing those classes soon. So if you want to just click the link, send your email, and then we will just send you shoot over seven free classes that you can take over and over. All right. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Hello everyone. Welcome to fit body, happy joints. My name is Shannon and I realized that I don't really introduce myself in these podcasts. So you might have no clue who I am. Um, I am a doctor of physical therapy. I have been teaching yoga and all forms of group fitness for the last 10 years. I have about a million fitness certifications under my belt, but After physical therapy school, I've really focused my continuing education on muscle function and on biomechanics. So I um, like to call myself a fitness expert. Um, You know, I think that I know a lot about fitness and I also think that there are a lot of kind of twisted norms in the fitness industry that I like to debunk and talk about. And today is no exception. Today we are talking about cortisol and hormones are super complex And it's difficult to talk about one hormone without talking about other cascading hormones. So in this episode, I'll define what cortisol is, what can happen if you have too much of it chronically, how to tell if you might have too much of it, and my exercise recommendations to keep it in check. Please remember that this is not medical advice and to seek advice from your doctor or functional medicine practitioner if you're having serious issues. This podcast is for informational purposes only. I feel like I needed to say that disclaimer before I continued. So if you feel like you're someone who is doing everything right, you're putting in work at the gym, you're working out every single day, you're trying to eat less and you're either seeing yourself plateau or you're not seeing results or you feel totally burnt out and terrible, it could be because of cortisol imbalances. In this episode, I want to explain how too much exercise and too little eating, which is what the industry preaches that you should do to see results, can actually have the reverse effect that you're hoping for because of potentially messing with your cortisol and hormone balance. One of my goals, which I hope is evident by my content, is to encourage people to get away from the damaging, grind yourself into the ground if you want to look good mentality. 
not only do I believe this is damaging to our body image and our respect for our body, but it's also damaging to your joints, to probably your mental health. And the worst part is, is that it doesn't work for people long-term. And one of those reasons is related to cortisol. So before I get into cortisol, I just want to say we just moved from the East Coast to California and uh, we have no furniture. <laughs> we are closed. Nothing has arrived. So we're living out of suitcases. And so I'm currently podcasting in my bare empty closet. I like draped towels and blankets up so that the sound would be a little bit better. But if it's a little bit echoey, that's why. Usually, you know, when all my stuff gets in, hopefully this will be less echoey and the sound will be a lot better. But just wanted to kind of give you a heads up on that. So cortisol, let's do a little cortisol 101. Cortisol is a stress hormone secreted by the adrenal glands. What is a hormone? A hormone is a messenger. When your brain senses something is happening, it triggers glands in your body to release this hormone, which is a messenger. And that hormone travels to different tissues and organs in your body so that those tissues and organs can do their jobs. So cortisol is secreted when there is a perceived stress. It's a stress hormone. This perceived word is important because two people can go through the exact same circumstance and one person can view it as stressful and the other person could be totally calm and unaffected. Our brains don't know the difference between perceived stress and an actual physical event happening. This is why people with anxiety who are picturing bad things happening to them can actually manifest with physical symptoms, even though there's no physical event that actually happened. They just thought of something, they worried about something, and that enough, that is enough to trigger cortisol and stress in their bodies. So to illustrate how two brains can't differently interpret the same circumstance. I'll use the example of travel because it's fresh on my mind. Again, we just traveled from the East Coast to California. So airports don't really stress me out, at least not to the extent that they do for some people. My husband, on the other hand, is like a total ball of stress in an airport. I'm going to pick on him a little bit. He's gotten better, but he's the type of person who like wants to get there three hours early and he's stressed and flustered going through TSA and he's like hurrying around just to sit at the gate for an hour. <laughs> and we're both on the same flight. We're both going to the same place, place and one person responds with relatively low stress and the other one responds with relatively high stress. And I'm giving him a hard time. Like, honestly, he would probably, he's probably going to listen to this and be pissed because he's like, excuse me, there are lots of circumstances where the roles are, roles are completely reversed. And yes, I agree with that. But my point is this, you can't always blame your circumstances for your stress. And two people with just different brain chemistries can take the same circumstance and their bodies can respond completely differently. So your brain perceives the stress. It's either emotional or it's mental or there's a physical stress like exercise. And it can be a big event or it can be a subtle event. It could be eating the wrong thing, worrying, a negative thought. When you perceive stress, cortisol is triggered to release. Stress is perceived. I want to get a little nitty gritty here because I think this stuff is interesting. So stress is perceived in our midbrain or in our reticular activating system. This is a primitive part of our brain that is responsible for keeping us on high alert so that we can stay safe. This is where we init initiate the signal 
for cortisol to release. So the reticular activating system in our brainstem then sends a signal to the locus ceruleus. This part of the brain sends a message to our hypothalamus, which is another part of our brain that is responsible for regulating the connection between the nervous system and the endocrine system, or the connection between your brain and your spinal cord and all your nerves to your hormones. The hypothalamus then sends a signal to your pituitary, which is in charge of all the hormones and your pituitary, stick with me, your pituitary, which is another piece of your brain, sends a signal to your adrenal glands, which are little glands that sit right on top of your kidneys to secrete cortisol. So it's a pathway that starts in the primitive part of your brain and your reticulating a reticular activating system in your brainstem and passes through different channels in your brain where eventually cortisol, a stress messenger, is released to trigger another cascade of events in your body. So all of that happens in your nervous system, in your brain, eventually gets down to the adrenal glands and the adrenal glands release cortisol. And cortisol's job is to affect different processes of our body. One of its main roles is to release blood sugar into our bloodstream. More blood sugar will allow your tissues like your muscles to have easy available fuel so they can be powered to either fight or flight from the perceived danger. This is important to note as I'm going to talk about the relationship between cortisol and blood sugar later in this episode. Cortisol is not a bad thing. It should be cyclical where it's the highest in the morning. And then it starts to slowly fall and taper off and it's the lowest at night right before we go to bed, or at least that's how it should be. Healthy levels of cortisol will kind of follow the sun and that's how we were evolved, right? The sun goes up, we're on high alert and the sun goes down and we're relaxed so that we can fall asleep, recover and do it all again. Cortisol is a catabolic hormone, meaning that it breaks tissues down. It's destructive to our tissues because it's pulling out glucose from our cells to power our bodies, to power our muscles. This isn't a bad thing if it is followed by balance of building your tissues back up or anabolic processes. At night, if everything is in check and our system, our hormones are in balance, at night our anabolic hormones kick in to recover the catabolic effects of hormones like cortisol during the day. Anabolic hormones like testosterone and growth hormone and melatonin kick in to repair the tissue that was potentially damaged during the day and allows us to recover and rest and hopefully be stronger and more resilient the next day. One of the keys to health and balance and pretty much every process in your body is to balance catabolic, the breakdown with anabolic or the build up. This is how you stay healthy and balanced in your body. You got to balance stress with recovery. And I feel like there's so much emphasis in the fitness industry on the stress part of things with the pressure to work out intensely seven days a week and grind, (laughs) grind yourself into the ground. And not enough people are questioning if maybe that's too much stress and it could be setting you back because exercise is stress. And there's a spectrum of how intense your exercise will stress your body. So When cortisol levels are not healthy, often people will see high levels of cortisol at night. When you have high levels of cortisol at night or in the evening, you inhibit your body's natural process to repair at night and put out growth hormone and see your muscles get stronger. This will disrupt sleep and therefore brain and body recovery. 
right? So not just your body, not just your muscles recover at night, your brain's also recovering at night as well. If you can't recover at night because your cortisol is elevated, you aren't going to see the muscle growth and the results from your workouts. You'll potentially eventually see weight gain, be tired, feel burnt out, and generally not able to recover from the stressors of your day or stressors from your workout. This is the person that just feels like they're running on E at all times. And I'm going to talk about this later because I was that person at one point. What happens over time is that we have changed cortisol from an acute hormone to a chronic hormone. Cortisol isn't supposed to be circulating in our bodies at all times, right? It's supposed to come up and then it's supposed to come down. But we have disconnected our sense of natural living with the sun. We are on our screens at all hours of the day, even after the sun is set, messaging to our brains that we should be awake and alert because of the light that's coming through our eyes. And on top of that, we add too much exercise, which is another huge stress to our system. And this whole issue can compound. I'm going to talk about how this is becomes a spiral later in this episode. It's important to note that it's not about eliminating cortisol altogether. It's about getting the rhythm right. Disease and pathology and even things like weight gain occur when these loops are disrupted and out of balance. I also want to say that this podcast is not intended to scare you or make you feel like there's something wrong with you. Our bodies are extremely resilient. This is just to give you information for you to kind of reflect on your own routines and decide whether or not your routines are working for you or working against you. So nothing to be afraid of, nothing to like hyperanalyze, just information for you to take in and consider. So let's talk a bit about cortisol's relationship to body composition. First, I want to say that I'm not a weight loss program. I believe in building your body up by dosing exercise in a way that will improve your metabolic system, improve your muscular system, hopefully improve your body image, all while keeping your joints healthy and preserved, building you up rather than wearing you down. Many times weight loss is a side effect if people are eating correctly for their body and trying to build muscle. I tend to think your body composition improves when you focus on the right things like building muscle and stressing your system appropriately without overstressing it. And of course, fueling properly for your body with healthy, balanced, nutritious meals. But cortisol is an important player in your ability to gain muscle and improve your body composition. Cortisol is a stimulating hormone. Its job is to kind of key you up so you can be ready to fight or flight from danger. Cortisol will increase blood sugar, allowing you an easy fuel source to power your muscles so that you can run away or you can fight your way to safety. In chronic elevation of cortisol, you see negative consequences. Cortisol signals to your body to pull glucose out of muscles and out of your liver to give you energy, which is why you can see muscle loss with chronically elevated cortisol and which is why elevated cortisol is so damaging to your body composition. Because as I've said over and over, muscle is key to keep your metabolism high and with less muscle, you will more easily gain fat. So muscle is extremely important for your overall body composition and metabolic health. So if your body has more circulating glucose because your cortisol is so high and it's sensing you need available fuel sources since you might have to fight or flight at any given moment. And because you have more circulating glucose, you will have to secrete more of another hormone called insulin to help deal with the blood sugar increase. Let's talk quickly about insulin, which is another important hormone in this cascade. 
when you eat, your food is broken down by your digestive system to take out the nutrients and fuel your body. Glucose is one of those molecules that's broken down from your food and travels via the bloodstream to different cells in your body to fuel them. Glucose is basically sugar and your cells use that sugar to process and run them. This causes your blood sugar levels to rise. So after you eat, your blood sugar levels rise. Your pancreas responds to this rise in blood sugar by secreting insulin. Insulin is what signals to your muscle cells and other cells to bring in glucose for energy to power your movement. So let's say you want to go on a walk. Insulin travels to your muscle cells, opens the gate so that glucose can come in and your muscle cells can use that glucose as energy to power your legs so that you can go on a walk. So without insulin, your cells won't be able to use glucose to power their processes like exercising or walking or any type of movement. So when you have increased levels of cortisol, you produce more blood sugar, then more insulin. The more insulin you secrete, the less sensitive your receptors get, and you start to get insulin resistance. Insulin resistance, which I talked about, I think in a couple episodes ago about the first cardio episode I did, I think I talked about insulin resistance. Insulin resistance is when your body has elevated levels of insulin, which puts you in fat storage mode. So insulin resistance is not what we want. The less sensitive your insulin receptors, you secrete even more insulin and circulating blood sugar. This becomes a chronic spiral and the circulating blood sugar is often turned to fat, typically fat around your waistline or belly fat. Insulin resistance is not just for overweight people. Some people can look great on the outside, but on the inside, their insulin sensitivity is not good, which will lead to health issues because your body can often compensate for insulin for years. I'm going to talk later in this episode about how I was super thin at one point, but definitely had some insulin resistance issues. So this is not just for diabetics. This is really it can be an issue in anyone. So it's important to take these things into consideration and not wait until you have symptoms to start thinking about these things. So insulin resistance is not really desirable and insulin sensitivity is desirable. The more insulin sensitive you are, the easier it is to improve your body composition. The more insulin sensitive you are, the easier it is to improve body composition. The more insulin resistant you are, the less easily you will be able to improve body composition. Okay, insulin sensitivity, good. (laughs) Insulin resistance, not good. This is because cells like your muscle cells can more easily use the sugar in your blood to power your movements rather than shuttling that same sugar to fat cells. So when you're insulin sensitive, your muscle cells can use the blood sugar rather than shooting that sugar off to create more fat. Exercise is key to improving your insulin sensitivity, as we probably all know. And I'm hoping to bring more guests on in the future to talk about how we can eat to improve insulin sensitivity as well, because that's obviously crucial. Exercise is not the only player here. So let's get back to cortisol and the relationship between cortisol and insulin. In addition to messing with your insulin levels, chronically elevated cortisol can also make you feel malnourished, which will make you feel hungrier. This is because when cortisol signals to your body to pull out the reserves of glucose in your cells to use that in an emergency situation, you've emptied those reserves. This means your body will be triggered to refill those reserves by craving carbs like candy and cake that will fill those reserves quickly. So 
your body empties out the reserves in a stressful situation because it's sensing something dangerous is happening and you're going to need all that sugar to power your processes to make you fight or flight. And your body is then sensing, oh, those reserves are empty. We need to feed her so that we can refill those reserves. And then what's the quickest thing that will fill those reserves? Carbs, candy, cake, things like that. I actually recently had an Evla member who is a type one diabetic And she posted on our private Facebook group about the improvements that she has found in her blood sugar. And I like this story because it objectively, oh, there's just an earthquake. Oh my God. I'm definitely in California now. (laughs) I'm not editing that. I'm going to keep this in. (laughs) Anyways, I like this story from this Evlo member because it gives some objective data about how more gentle workouts can start to improve these processes and that more intensity and or more frequency is not always better. So she had actually come from a background of intense and frequent exercise like many of my members do, not all my members, but a lot of my members are kind of trying to wean themselves off of the no pain, no gain mentality. And this is what she said. I have lost 11 pounds since starting Evlo seven weeks ago. She said, I'm a type one diabetic and my blood sugar is the best it's ever been. I attached a couple of pictures of my glucose monitor weekly reports so you can see the before and after. So her blood glucose from the pictures that she put on the message had improved by 15% from the middle of January to the middle of April of 2021. And when I reached out to her to ask if I could use this message on the podcast, she sent me another message saying that she's had more energy than she's ever had. And she was finally able to re-landscape her backyard. She sent me pictures. It looked beautiful with all of her newfound energy levels. She also mentioned that her hunger cues were more stable. So this is someone that is on what I call the upward spiral. This woman is slowly improving her hormonal responses by dosing exercise appropriately, which improves her energy and her blood sugar levels, allows her more available energy to be more active and do the things she loves without feeling exhausted. It improved her hunger cues and probably she's able to eat more intuitively. She didn't tell me this, but my guess is that her cravings had improved, which is something that I hear from my members all the time. And this is all because she changed the dosage of her exercise, which improved her stress response and thus improved her blood sugar levels. Again, I need to emphasize cortisol is not a bad thing when it is balanced An exercise, regular exercise can actually improve your response to stress and balance your hormones. And there's a little bit of a paradox here that I want to explain. Exercise is a stress to your body. It is disrupting the equilibrium of your body, which your body interprets as a stress. This means exercise will spike cortisol acutely or in the short term. Chronically elevated cortisol will result in problems in your body, as I discussed earlier. However, regular exercise is shown to improve your response to stress, even though it acutely spikes cortisol or it it spikes cortisol kind of right away. So the answer is not to stop exercising altogether. Please don't hear me wrong. The answer is to figure out how to dose exercise in a way that your body responds favorably to. A common thing I've been told from my Evla members is that they work out less frequently and less intensely with my program than they ever have, and yet they're seeing more desirable changes and more desirable results in their body, and they're confused. They're like, wait, I'm working out for less time, and I don't feel like I'm like grinding myself into the ground as much as I used to. Like, Why is my body changing more? And I think this is partly because 
of the exercise selection we're choosing. We are intentionally choosing exercises that load the muscles in the most effective ways with minimal joint stress. That results in muscle adaptation. Remember, more muscle improves your body composition with less painful joints, but it also results in overall less stress on the body or less cortisol in the body. I talked last week about protein synthesis and how we need protein synthesis to build more muscle and recover from our workouts. When we have elevated cortisol because we're doing too much cardio or too much of any intense exercise for that matter, we may not be able to balance that increase in stress with the anabolic hormones that allow our bodies to recover and grow stronger from the stressors while we sleep. So too much exercise will throw off that balance between catabolic and anabolic, which won't allow our bodies to uh, secrete things like testosterone and growth hormone, which allow our muscles to grow and improve our body composition. When we don't repair ourselves from proper recovery and proper sleep over time, our cells start to slow down and can lead to a decline in healing. Workouts become more challenging. You can develop things like adrenal fatigue, and we have a hard time recovering from our workouts. We have joint pain. We feel sore all the time. We just feel that general burnout. In fact, endurance exercise or exercising for more than like an hour can be very stressful to the body in some people and very stressful to the joints. And it's very catabolic, meaning it's very breaking down. So doing too much endurance exercise can throw off these cortisol balances and reduce your ability to recover and reduce the results that you'll see in your workouts. So this is why another illustration of something that I try to say, like in every single episode, that more is not better. More is not better. Dosing is better. How you dose for your own body is really what will move the needle for you. So The reason that too much endurance exercise can be harmful is because you are putting out more cortisol than testosterone. You're putting out more of that catabolic hormone than the anabolic hormone, which makes it very hard for you to put on muscle. And in fact, you can start to lose muscle. Your body is too high on the catabolic side and not high enough on the anabolic side. You can sometimes see or often see changes in your body composition because of this. So if you look at like an endurance athlete versus a sprinter, the endurance athlete is probably training much longer for longer sessions than the sprinter is, but they have much less muscle. And sometimes you can even see more fat on them than you do in with the sprinter. So it's not about doing more. It's about doing the right amount. So that takes me to this question, which I'm sure all of you are thinking, how much exercise is too much and can lead to chronically elevated levels of cortisol and then eventually lead to all these negative side effects that I laid out. Some people can exercise intensely, cut their calories and respond amazingly. They can see amazing changes in their body composition. They have, they feel energetic and they feel happy and stable mood and all these things and have perfectly healthy bodies their whole lives. But many women do the same routine. And I'm saying women because most of my members are women, but you know, this can apply to men as well. But many people do the same routine as someone else, and they end up seeing negative effects. So how can this be? How can you eat the same and work out the same as someone else and have completely different results? One of these reasons is because of cortisol. I talked about how cortisol is released from a perceived threat, both physically and mentally. We can think of stress as a bucket. And I didn't make up this stress bucket analogy. I have heard it talked about a lot, and I think it's a great analogy. 
your body has a threshold for how much stress it can tolerate before that bucket overflows and causes problems in your body. So every time you stress out your body, you put a little bit of the water into the bucket and eventually it gets to the top of the bucket and it starts overflowing. And then that's when you start to see symptoms and issues. So anytime you have a stress in your life, the bucket gets more and more full relationship issues, a stressful job, moving across the country. Maybe you had a death in the family. Maybe you're working on your body image, maybe a financial stress, whatever. It all goes into that stress bucket. And some people's stress buckets may be more full than others. But once your stress bucket is overflowing, you don't have space for the anabolic processes to come in and heal and recover your body. Your sleep is disrupted. You can't recover from your workouts and your stress can start to pile on and spiral you. I'll use an example in my own life. So looking back to when I was in physical therapy school, like 23, 24, I was definitely in a state of burnout and elevated cortisol. My stress bucket was for sure overflowing. I was stressed from an intense school program. I was stressed about money. So I was trying to work on the side by teaching fitness classes and babysitting. I think I was even bartending at one point. On top of all of that, I was going out on the weekends and drinking with my friends. I was not sleeping well, and I was exercising intensely, like pretty much every day, six to seven days per week. And my body felt horrible. I looked thin, but my body felt like it was 90 years old. I felt fragile. My wrist hurt. My back was all jacked up. I think I've said on this podcast before, I wasn't able to stand for like more than 15 minutes without having to take a break. Like at 24, that's unacceptable. I was starting to get hip pain and I was like limping around. I was having night terrors. I would wake up screaming at night. I had to nap every single day because I was just exhausted. I was anxious. Like my mental health was definitely not where it is now. I was kind of a typical illustration of someone who was burnt out and my stress bucket was overflowing. So I had all of these physical and emotional symptoms that were really probably a cause of just too much in my stress bucket. So although I looked thin, I was not healthy. I had no muscle. I was like looking back at a video. I was just like lanky skin and bones. So someone was, someone looking at me would probably be like, oh, they look great because I was thin, but I had no muscle. And even though I was working out all the time and I actually got blood work done around this time and it did not reflect what I looked like on the outside. So even though I looked thin, my blood work was a mess. My triglycerides and other inflammatory markers were all out of whack. And I'm sure I was dealing with some insulin resistance at that time too. So at 24, I should have been able to tolerate the workouts I was doing. I was young, you know, I looked fit, but combined with my lifestyle of stress in the other areas, it overflowed my stress bucket and made me feel terrible. And it made me feel like I was not able to tolerate the workouts that I was doing. My joints were falling apart. So this is how you know, someone that's also my age and not going through all of these stressors could probably tolerate the type of workouts I was doing and be fine. This is how two people could do the exact same program and one could respond great and the other could potentially not respond great and even gain weight sometimes. So many people, so many people are overworking and under eating in addition to full stress buckets, just like I was. If I continued that lifestyle, I'm sure I would have eventually gained weight because of the cascading effects of cortisol. This is also an illustration of the power of hormones. I often hear people say, I mean, like every single day in my DMs, I'm only 30 and I feel like I'm falling apart. 
These stressors, these hormones, see no age. Although many people can compensate for years and decades for elevated cortisol, not everyone can. If you're overflowing so much to the point that your body can't compensate for that, you're going to start to see symptoms and you're going to start to feel this burnout. So if you're listening to this and you're feeling like you're too young, and I do that, I'm doing that in air quotes, to feel so burnt out, you are not alone and you're not a lost cause. I can say now at 29, I sleep like a baby. (laughs) I have no chronic pain. And the last time I got my blood work about a month ago, my doctor told me that I am, quote, very healthy (laughs) and I feel emotionally stable. I feel like a different person. I was telling my husband, I feel like I've closed a chapter in my life and I have stepped into like this new version because I, I almost like don't recognize myself sometimes with how I handle my emotions and how my body physically feels. It feels completely different. And Also, there's no way in hell I could have started the business that I have now back then when I was feeling burnt out and didn't have any emotional or physical or mental bandwidth. We so often hear that more exercise is better. You got to exercise more and you got to eat less for weight loss. And that's the formula. And this simply isn't true for everyone. Some people need to eat better and exercise better not eat less and exercise more. More exercise and less food can often stimulate a more stressful environment, which can spike cortisol and not generate desirable results from your workouts. So you may be wondering if you are potentially overdoing it in your workouts. If you're working out, you know, six, seven days a week intensely and you feel good, maybe you should carry on. But I think for most people that are working out intensely often, They might be overflowing their stress bucket and potentially leading themselves down this cortisol spiral. So here are some symptoms to look out for. If you feel like you're just running on E, like if you feel constantly exhausted, like you can never catch up. Bloating, and this has to do with poor digestion because cortisol can affect digestion. Fatigue, like taking a long time to get up in the morning. Oh my gosh, like back then when I was, again, in physical therapy school, getting out of bed in the morning was horrible. And I needed like 10 cups of coffee to get going. If you're not sleeping well, if you have a hard time falling asleep, or if you're not staying asleep, joint pain, or like constantly sore muscles, not feeling like you can recover from your workouts, feeling almost weaker, right? Weak muscles are a sign of chronically elevated cortisol, feeling anxious for no particular reason, like nothing happens, but you're just feeling anxious, increased appetite or increased cravings, getting sick a lot because if you're constantly in fight or flight, your immune system could be affected. Generally worn down, fatigued, burnt out, brain fog, decreased memory, depression, hard time concentrating. I mean, there are so many symptoms that could indicate that your stress bucket is overflowing. And of course, there's other things that could be happening too, right? Seeing a functional medicine doctor is something that I highly recommend if you can so that they can measure these things and see what areas of your life might be contributing to these negative side effects. This is not medical advice, so please consult your doctor if you're having these symptoms. And these symptoms can be for many other things, I'm sure, and you can't just blame your workouts. I mean, nutrition, lifestyle, environment, and so much more can be at play. So please see a doctor who will thoroughly scan kind of all facets of your life to determine what could be going on. But 
there are some things that you can play around with when it comes to your workouts to see if some of these symptoms will improve. So let's go through a couple scenarios. If you're in a state where you're feeling pretty much all of those symptoms, if you're like, yep, 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 or you're feeling totally burnt out, the last thing you want to do is slam your body at the gym every day. In fact, I tend to see the people who are prone to this elevated cortisol and the people who are having all of these symptoms are the people that are are slamming their bodies into the ground every day at the gym. They are already stressed at baseline and their buckets are already overflowing. So they almost like need that intense workout high to make them, you know, get get above baseline. From my experience, it's usually not the people who are doing the gentle workouts like yoga and Pilates that are having these type of issues. And I'm not saying that you should go do exclusively yoga and Pilates. I'm just saying that those people that are, you know, doing more gentle workouts aren't typically the ones who feel the burnout symptoms. If you're in that camp of overdoing it on the exercise and you're feeling burnt out, it might be best to take a step back, focus on your nutrition, focus on more gentle workouts that are still focused on building your muscles aka the Evolo classes. And that way your endocrine system and your hormone system can start to balance out and get a little bit of a break, but you aren't necessarily losing ground. And oftentimes I'll see people gain ground when they switch this type of workouts because their hormone levels balance out. And then they're starting to balance that anabolic and catabolic. Their body can finally be in a place where it can put on muscle. And then they start to see changes in body composition and great results and they feel better. So if you're in this burnout camp, my suggestion would be to do the Evlo strength sessions. So Monday's lower body, Tuesday's upper body, Wednesday's burn class core, and then Thursday's you could do the yoga class if you want. And then Friday's the full body class. And then you could walk a few days a week, either on your recovery days or, you know, whatever, maybe three, four times a week, gentle walks. Again, listen to last week's podcast if you need some more suggestions about that, but Ditch the cardio and ditch the hit just for a little while. Doesn't mean that you have to ditch it all together. Ditch it for a little while, allow your body to slowly come back to baseline. And then maybe you can think about adding it in later. If you're working out intensely every day, I would definitely recommend taking a couple of your workout days out, maybe go to five days per week and then do easy walks on your recovery days. Again, it doesn't mean that you can never do hit or cardio again. Once your adrenal glands and your blood sugar and your joints are given some time to rest and recover and heal, you may decide to add it back in. And I, again, go back to last last week's episode to learn how you can ramp cardio up or down. I know this is hard for some people because they're so conditioned to believe that you need to go hard or you go home and that you need to go hard in the gym every single day or you're not going to see results. And I wish that this was not a norm in the fitness industry, but unfortunately that's the way it is. And this a lot of times has to do with marketing, right? People want to sell their product. They want to sell their 80 day thing where you work out every single day within that 80 days. But what they're not educated on is the side effects that happen when you're stressing your body so much. People are afraid they're going to gain weight. But as I discussed earlier, I hear from members all the time who say they have turned down the intensity and the frequency by joining my program. And yet they're seeing better results than they did when they did more frequent and more intense workouts. And I'm sure that this is largely because of the modulation of cortisol. One of the reasons I speculate that cortisol is playing a large part in this is because I've heard from many of my members who are saying they're less hungry and they have like less cravings. I've actually seen this in myself as well. And remember, this goes back to improving the cortisol response and the glucose regulation in your your bloodstream. 
Please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying intense workouts are bad. Intense brief workouts can be extremely helpful to help you balance your insulin levels and hormones. But if you're one of those people that's burnt out, you don't need that right now. Take it out. And then maybe you can start to slowly dose it back in. All right, let's take another scenario. If you are working out gently and you're still seeing these adverse effects of burnout, which I tend to see is much, much less prevalent than the person who is working out intensely and feeling burnt out. So if you're like, I'm already working out gently, like why do I still feel burnt out? Maybe for someone like you, you could consider adding in a HIIT session. If you're an Evla member, you could try Wednesday's Cardio Burst class. It's a really short, brief, but intense session. And some studies show that an intense but brief workout session can spike cortisol, kind of resetting it in a way so that it can fall back down to a lower level. So altering the intensity and frequency of your workouts is my very first suggestion. But some additional things you could consider adding in that are a bit more obvious are breathing and meditation. And I do hesitate to say that because I think that people think they can continue their intense and frequent routine, but just add meditation on top of that. And and then that will solve their problem. And it doesn't work like that. You have to go back to what stresses are you taking out of that stress bucket? If the bucket's overflowing, you can't just add things in. You got to take things out. So not changing your stressors by just adding meditation would be like allowing the bucket to overflow every day, but like putting a towel down (laughs) so that it doesn't get as wet on the floor. So adding meditation without adjusting your workout frequency and intensity is more like a band-aid, not necessarily a solution for most people. The benefits of meditation though are huge. Meditation increases frontal lobe activity. Your frontal lobe is kind of where your personality is, your decision-making. So the more of that frontal lobe activity, the less your primitive brain or that brainstem that's responsible for releasing cortisol will be active. So you're interrupting this pattern of stress, right? You're interrupting that highly active brainstem, the reticular activating system that's releasing, that's triggering all the cortisol to be released. You're improving your parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest and digest system. This improves your sleep. And again, when you can get better sleep, you can recover better, potentially build stronger muscles, improve your metabolism, improve your body composition, improve your mood, improve your energy. So this is why we do Shavasana at the end of every workout, why we like lay there for a minute or two. We are trying to modulate the acute stress that happens after a workout, right? You acutely or temporarily spike your cortisol after a workout. But meditation can be in many different forms. I know people have, a lot of people have a hard time like sitting there still. You can listen to music, you can journal, you can read anything where you are kind of breaking or interrupting that pattern of stress can be super beneficial. Another thing that can help you improve your cortisol balance is prioritize sleep over training. So more sleep, less workouts if you have to choose. I always say that I would much rather you do four workout days per week and get an extra three hours of sleep than work out seven days a week and get three hours less. Someone who is training a lot but not sleeping enough will not see the results from your training sessions. It's like putting in all the work but then not seeing the outcomes. I guarantee the person who is getting more and better sleep would run laps literally around the person that is training more frequently, but getting worse sleep. Because remember, if you can't recover, you don't have anything. So if you have to prioritize, prioritize your sleep over an extra few training sessions per week. And lastly, this is an important one. Don't be afraid to dial it back intermittently, depending on what's going on in your life. 
when you go through a particularly emotional or mentally stressful time, dial it back on the intensity. If you get in a car wreck, if you lose your job, if you're having relationship issues, the last thing you want to do is grind your body into the ground when your stress bucket is fuller than usual. Give yourself some grace. You will actually backtrack yourself more if you overstress yourself rather than if you just give yourself some grace, dial it back a little bit, allow that stress bucket to be less full so it's not overflowing and backtracking you. So for example, if you're doing my program and you usually do the cardio classes, maybe you take those out. Maybe you go to four workout days per week instead of five for a little while until you feel like your emotional mental stress is a little bit more under control. Or maybe you do five classes per week, but one of those classes, instead of a strength workout, is a meditation class. And I have meditation classes on the membership. This will keep you, again, from overflowing your stress bucket and losing muscle, potentially gaining weight, and draining yourself of energy. Obviously, there are things that you can do with your nutrition and your mental health and your sleep, but I like to make sure I stay in my lane and not give suggestions on those areas necessarily, but rather refer to the pros for that. But I do need to acknowledge that those things are very, very important. Hopefully, I'll have more experts coming on the podcast soon, so stay tuned for that. I hope this was helpful. Again, my mission is to be a player in changing the standard for the fitness industry. The go hard or go home mentality is antiquated and it just does not work for people long-term. It's not good for your mental health. It's not good for your physical health. Let's get rid of it. (laughs) So if you're ready to join Evlo, Evlo is my fitness online fitness program. You can go to evlofitness.com, E-V-L-O fitness.com. I teach new classes Monday through Friday. And what's really cool is you can take this little quiz that gives you a suggested schedule which is nice because that means you just show up for class. You have a program that's built for you. You just show up for class and you can let me do all the programming. We have joint friendly, but extremely effective lifting classes uh, where we're not doing a million deadlifts or burpees or squats, but we're doing slow, methodical, biomechanically driven exercises. We also have a weekly Pilates class. We have a weekly yoga sculpts class. Um, There's meditation on the membership. There's joint stability classes and joint health classes. There's low impact cardio every week and there's hit every week. There's, it covers everything. We got you. So evlofitness.com, evlofitness.com would love to see you there. And thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye.